Welcome to the Coaching Matters Podcast brought to you by Fundraising University and Brian Kane Peak Performance. Coaching Matters is a nonprofit foundation whose primary purpose is to help coaches, athletes, and activities directors succeed in their programs, schools, and communities. Fundraising University works to help you raise the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of interference to support coaches and activities directors in enhancing the student experience and life skill development that is a critical component of our educational systems. Brian Kane, one of the world's leading mental performance coaches, works to educate, empower, and energize you to be your best through his 10 pillars of mental performance mastery systems. Together, each week, we bring you interviews, question and answer sessions, and group coaching around mastering mental performance, creating elite culture, and developing the leadership skills you need to succeed. And now, this week's Coaching Matters podcast. I'd like to go into some coach, uh, some question and answer here with Coach Leslie Huntington. And first, before we go in there, I just want to once again uh, recognize Fundraising University and owner Mike Bahoon is the official sponsor for the Coaching Matters Group Coaching Podcast. And current coaches, if you're interested and would like to be a Coaching Matters ambassador coach in your state and earn an extra five to $20,000 part-time, please contact Mike Bahoon. We're going to put that email address inside of the chat here, but it's mbahoon, M-B-A-H-U-N, at fundraisingu. Dot net to inquire more about our ambassador coach program. I know we've got a lot of mental performance coaches on here that want to go in and work with high school and college programs. And sometimes the finances that we have as coaches become a hurdle for us to be able to do the things we want to do to put our, move our programs forward, whether it's to going on team advances or retreats, however you want to say it, getting clothes for our program, getting a new cage, bringing in a mental performance coach like coach Huntington or someone to work with your team on culture, on leadership, on mindset and, and routines. Fundraising university can be a great way to raise those funds. And for our mental performance coaches, you can bring that as an added value to when you go work with teams to now take the hurdle of we can't afford it off the table. So contact Mike Bahoon. That's mbahoon at fundraisingu.net to learn more. And we're back with Coach Leslie Huntington. Coach Huntington, a couple of questions came in here that I want to uh, ha- have you talk about. And this one comes in from Coach Schmidt. And Coach Schmidt says, does it usually take a while for your first year players, your freshmen, to transition and buy into mental performance training for your team? Or is the buy-in process pretty quick because of the impactful leadership on your team? Talk about that buy-in to mental performance for your first year players. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, in our program, I think that a lot of it, they, they buy in pretty quickly because we, we work really hard during the recruiting process to really let them know who we are. And we talk about the, our mental performance training um, and tell them that we do a formal mental performance training process um, for our student athletes in our program. So I think that the buy-in for our first-year players is pretty quick because they already know that that's going to be a part of what we do. And I think it's actually a little bit of a, of a good thing when it comes to recruiting. We, we really uh, pique the interest of some of those kids that um, maybe haven't had that kind of training before and they want to know what that's all about. And the other thing that we do is a lot of the kids that 
that will join our team have been to one of our camps at some point. And we always do a mental performance session at our camps. And that's one of the biggest things at our camps that gets great feedback. We had a, a, re, a prospect camp just this last Saturday, and I had a player who came up to me at the end of the camp. We talked about the traffic light analogy and red light, yellow light, green light, refocus and release routines. And, and we talked through that for the first 30 minutes of the camp. And at the end of the camp, she came up to me and said, coach, I really, really liked the, the red light, yellow light, green light. She said, when we were scrimmaging, I got a little frustrated. She was pitching and, and she said, I got a little frustrated. And I went back to what you talked about earlier at camp. And she said, it really helped. So um, I think for that reason, in our program, at least, um, I, th I think the buy-in's pretty quick. Coach, if you would unpack that maybe a little bit more, and we can kind of do this together here of the signal light analogy, because I think for any coach who's on this call, whether you're coaching the All Blacks, the, the best sports team on the planet, or you're, you're coaching a Division I college softball team, you're coaching at one of the top high schools in the country at Horizon in Colorado, wherever it is that you're coaching, you're going to have athletes that are going to experience signal lights. Now, signal lights is a drill to be able to communicate and talk about self-awareness and kind of mentally, physically, and emotionally where I'm at in that moment. And my, my mentor, Ken Revisa, who I know you were a big, a big fan of, used to say all the time, you have to be where you need to be when you need to be there. Meaning when you're on this call, be on this call. When you're in the batter's box, be in the batter's box. When you're in school, be in school. Be where you need to be when you need to be there. And that requires self-awareness and understanding of our signal light. So could you unpack the signal light process for, for our coaches and athletes on the call here? Sure. Yeah. So green light, everything's on go. Everything it's like, it's like flow. It's like being in the zone. And so, um, when you're in a green light, um, everything's going well, you're, you're not thinking too much, you know, you're, you're, I always say to the softball players, the pitches look like a beach ball um, when you're in a green light. So you have just a, simply a refocus routine when you're in a green light. When you're in a yellow light or a red light, what I tell players is if you're in a red light, you're probably going to be on the bench because in a red light, you've completely lost your mental and emotional control and probably need a little bit of time to get that back rather than being able to get it back really, really quickly. But in a yellow light, you're kind of, it's that caution, right? And I, I, the players give me a hard time because I say, what do you do when there's a yellow light? And they all say, speed up. And I'm like, no, slow down. <laughs> but, uh, so in a yellow light release, um, it might be an example I use is um, you're, you're a batter and you just took a pitch for what you thought was a ball and the umpire called it a strike and you disagree with the call. And so you're a little bit irritated. You get out of the box. You're kind of getting ready to get back in the box again. And now um, you're still thinking about that pitch and you're still thinking, okay, if another one comes in, is he going to call that one a strike? So you're, you're distracted. You're not, you're not focused on playing one pitch at a time. So the release routine. So, um, with the release stepping out of that batter's box, I'll just use hitting as an example. Cause that's one of the easiest things to use as an example. You step out of the box. Um, the first thing you got to do is you got to, uh, um, have a focal point a deep breath on a focal point. So I will use the foul pole a lot of times because most places have a foul pole. Um, so a, a deep breath on a focal point, a physical release. So sometimes batters will take their batting gloves and undo the Velcro, do them back up. Some hitters will take their helmet off, adjust their, 
their hair, put the helmet back on. Some players will reach down, grab some dirt, give it a toss, whatever it is. But that physical release, that's, that's basically, I'm letting this pitch go. I'm letting this pitch go. And then um, the last part is a verbal trigger. And so it could be, so what next pitch? It could be um, hit it hard. I'll say, you know, step in that batter's box and just repeat over and over and over. Hit it hard, hit it hard, hit it hard, hit it hard. Get in your mind in that one place that it needs to be rather than stepping into the batter's box. And, you know, I ask this at camp all the time. I'm like, how many have ever stepped into the batter's box? And the thought that goes through your mind is just don't strike out. And every hand goes up. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, we have work to do. So we talk about we talk about the the yellow light and the red light release routine, the green light refocus routine, and then we practice that as well um, when when we do our our daily things in practice. Beautiful, you know, coach. We've got a question that came in here, and uh, we've actually got two two Horizon High Schools on here tonight. We've got a coach from from Horizon High School in Arizona, the Huskies, and we got uh, a lot of coaches and athletes in from Horizon High School in Colorado, the Hawks. Now, when we're talking about culture and when we address culture and we talk about core principles, let's say we use the Horizon Hawks as an example, and they were to say Hawks, H, hardworking, A, attitude, W, let's use a softball team, win the next pitch or win this pitch, K, Kaizen, which is a word, a Japanese word for constant, never-ending improvement. It's kind of like how we might look at excellence and then selfless, being a great team player. When we look at creating a set of core values or core principles for a program, is there a set that you use with your program, a set of core principles that kind of drive the behavior of the people in your culture? Yep, absolutely. In fact, we have a big, um, a big graphic on the back of our dugout that has our mission and our logo and our core values. Um, so we use blue golds. Um, and uh, so it's belief, um, love, unity, gratitude, ownership, legacy, discipline, and selfless. One Those more, are time, our one core more values. time, coach. Yep. Got belief, love. Yep. Belief, love, unity, yep. gratitude, ownership, legacy, discipline, and selfless. Hmm. Now, let me throw this. Let me ask you this question. This is, this is awesome. How does having a set of core principles like this help you as a coach? Oh, it's huge. It's part of ev almost every conversation I have with, it, with our, our student athletes. Anytime we have a little bit of a struggle I can come back to one of those core principles and we can talk about how those core principles apply to the struggle. Anytime we, um, you know, we, we celebrate something, we talk about how much we believe that we can be successful. Um, we talk about love being an unconditional thing in our program and, and this being a, a judgment-free zone where our goal is to just love each other well. Um, unity, obviously, is, is a huge thing with any team. You want to become one. Um, the gratitude piece is every day, you know, just be, ha, get to rather than have to, right. We get to come to practice. We don't have to go to practice. Um, and then, um, ownership, ownership is huge. I use ownership almost every single day. And we talk about owning our own behaviors, um, owning our successes as well as owning our failures, um, and being okay with that, owning our mistakes. And, and one of the things that I, that I really hammer with our players is, you know, I can live with your mistakes if you're willing to own them 
it, but it's when you start to pass the buck, you start to make excuses. That's when it gets difficult for me to support you. Um, and then legacy, leaving the Jersey better than they found it. Mm. How do they want when they're done with their four years in the program? What do they want the next person that wears that Jersey number to remember? Or how, what do they hope that that next person in that Jersey number um, how do they hope they represent that Jersey number? And then discipline. Um, you know, we talk a lot about discipline, not meaning punishment, which I think a lot of people kind of, you know, look at that the wrong way. Discipline just meaning, are you doing what you say you're going to do? And are you doing it when nobody's watching? Mm. Um, and then selfless really meaning um, in our program. And this is one that I think sometimes is, is one of the most difficult things for them to wrap their heads around is selfless means I got to become my best self if I'm going to help you become your best self. So, you know, we have, we have one player in particular in our program, um, just an outstanding human being, just, she's a, she's a nursing major. She's one of the, she's one of the nicest kids you'll ever, ever know. She's always wanting, she's just serving, 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 serving her teammates and sometimes at her own expense. And so, I'm working a lot with her on understanding that the better she cares for herself, the more sleep she's getting, the more time, the better job she does with her time management, the harder she works on herself in the weight room and doing her reps, then she can open herself up to, to help her teammates even more. I love that coach. So much goodness coming out of what you're sharing there. And I think that one thing to tie into what you're just sharing there about that, that last student athlete you were talking about is, is self-care is really selfless. And I think so many times as busy coaches, we think that self-care and making time for us to work out, making time for us to relax, making time for us to, to meditate or to journal or take care of us. We think that that's selfish and you have to make time for it. No one's going to make time for it. And if you don't create boundaries and no one's going to make time for it for you. And if you don't make boundaries for yourself, you're going to get pulled in a lot of directions until you break. And when I say self-care is selfless, here's what I mean. When you make the time to take care of yourself and what I call the four fundamentals of optimal living for any coach or athlete, how you eat, how you move, your mindset, how you sleep. When you take care of you to be the best version of you so that you can give your best to others, that requires an emphasis and a priority on self-care, taking care of thyself. And when you do, you can then be selfless because you can give more of you away and give your best to other people. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that fires me up about, about fundraising university is how their, their mission to, you know, help coaches and athletes get the most out of the scholastic athletic experience, right. To provide the opportunity for coaches to, to execute their job, which is the most important job in our entire school system at the highest level. So fundraising university is always looking for individuals who are competitive, self-starters, empathetic, organized, and teachable to partner with. And for our current coaches that are on this call, you know, contact Mike Bahoon, CEO of Fundraising University, mbahoon at fundraisingu.net. We're going to put it in the chat to inquire about being an assistant coach or area representative, you know, in those openings within Fundraising University. Visit fundraisinguniversity.net, fundraisinguniversityu. I'm sorry, fundraisingu.net slash franchising all in the chat and our show notes to find out more about becoming a franchise university owner so you can help coaches and athletes dream big and raise more. Speaking about dreaming big and raising more, coach, one of the things that you mentioned was the legacy of the jersey and leaving that number better for someone else. And I think it was the University of Vermont ice hockey team I was working with, and they had the, the locker 
the locker number, similar to the Jersey number. And inside of that locker was a list of all the players who had ever worn that number. And that player, whoever wore that number that year had to write a letter about what they were going to put into that Jersey, about the effort they were going to give, about the character they were going to bring, about the responsibility they were going to take, about how they were going to live the core principles of that team, which was cats. And they would have to write that letter and send it to everyone who had worn that Jersey number. So every player in the history of the program received a letter from a player in the program every year that was wearing that Jersey as a way to connect the alumni. Is there anything specifically that you do to kind of promote that legacy of the Jersey and kind of connect previous blue golds to the current blue golds? You know what? I'm stealing that idea. I'm stealing that idea. I love that. I hadn't thought of that before. We, we've talked about, you know, having our players research their jersey number and learn about the players that have, that have worn that jersey number prior to them. You know, were there all Americans in that jersey, you know, for example, mm-hmm. but we just haven't done that yet. And um, we're really making an effort to reconnect with our alums right now. And so I think it's a perfect time to do exactly that type of thing. I love that idea. Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a really it's a cool one. It's one of the best I've ever heard, and and that's that's the reaction a lot of coaches have to it because they they can kind of go back and see who's worn this jersey, and it's a way to connect. You know, it's a way to connect the the current with the previous. Here's another one: is is your your I call them boat crews. Uh, the term you use. Let me look through my notes again. You called them squad leaders. Yep. So your your squads. How many squads do you currently have on your softball team? We have three. So three squads, how many players per squad? Uh, there would be, got to do the math about, uh, six, okay. six or seven. And have you named, have they named their squads? They have not. Okay. So university of Houston, they had, let's call it seven squads. So they took the seven best teams in one year. Let's call it 2016. They went to an NCAA super regional. So they had squad six squadron. 2016. They had a team in 2008 that went to a regional championship squadron 2008. So what they did is they named the squads, their boat crews after the years of their best finishes. And then that squad group got to do a zoom call with a player from one of those teams and hear about the legacy of that team. And then the next day that squad group had to communicate in front of the team about what they learned from that player from that previous that year, which was a really cool way for like the current Houston baseball players to hear about the pre the program in the past and how fired up those alumni were like for the team to get this thing going again and get them back to where they want to be. So I thought that was a really cool concept of promoting the legacy of the Jersey. And, you know, something that you shared that, that, that hit me was this concept of gratitude and love. And one of the athletes I I was working with today taught me this. And he said, if you take your hand, and you touch your, your thumb to your pointer finger. So everyone who's on the call, go ahead and do this with me. This is the UIW Peacock, by the way. But if you go ahead and, uh, and or UIU, University of Upper Iowa Peacocks, touch your, your, your pointer finger, middle finger, ring finger, pinky finger. And we call them haggle statements. H-A-G-L. This helps with gratitude, helps with love, helps, helps with positive mindset. I have, I am, I give, I love. And if you sit there once a day, you're sitting in class before class starts, you do it when you're laying in bed. I have, I did it today at the dentist as I was waiting. I was in the chair getting, getting, you know, my whole body shocked with nerves as they're cleaning my teeth. I'm saying, okay, I have, I have energy. 
you know, I have energy to give. I, I, I am fortunate to be able to do what I love every day. I give everything I have to people I work with. I love coaching, right? So I just go through those every day. And it's like, you, do a haggle statement and try to have a bad day. Do a haggle statement consistently. Let's say on the hour, every hour and try to be depressed. It's going to be really difficult. Have a, do your haggle statements and try to not be an energy lifter and have a smile on your face for other people. So bring those haggle statements. Coaches, we bring tonight's call to a close. First, I want to personally thank you for taking time to join us and, and giving your value and your experience to our coaches and athletes here through the Coaching Matters uh, group coaching program and podcast. And one of our questions comes in, I thought was so good. It comes from uh, Tom in Chicago. And Tom says, Coach, I have a 13-year-old daughter listening. She wants to be a leader. If you could plant one seed inside of her brain and that one seed would germinate, what would that one seed be? Oh, that's a great question. I love it. Um, I think the, the one seed for a 13 year old would be work really hard at not comparing yourself to anybody else. Your journey is your journey and yours alone. And it doesn't have to be the same as anyone else's. It doesn't have to look anything close to what anybody else's journey is. Process over outcome. Your journey is yours alone. Don't compare yourself. Just compete with becoming just a little bit better version of you every single day. And that's, that's the path to being happy. That's the path to being grateful. That's the path to satisfaction. Love that. Coach? You might just give me the, the title of today's podcast, Compete, Don't Compare. Boom. Because <laughs> when you play the comparison game, you lose only every single time, right? The competition is you. Compete, don't compare. If we would, let's go into our chat here. I'd like to hear from three people. Number one takeaways, because when we're on these calls, I want you to always remember the E to E to E ratio, energy, education, entertainment. Let's not show up here looking for entertainment. This is not what this is about, even though it's entertaining. We want it to be about education and things that you can take, strategies you can use, ideas and concepts you can bring into your life and into your program. We also want it to be energy building. We want you coming on this, off this call going, man, that was worth me being on that call. Man, that was worth me listening to that podcast. I just got juiced up. Education, energy, entertainment. Let's make sure we double, triple down on the education and we double and triple down on the energy that we're building. Let's minimize the entertainment. Let's make, let's make what we're getting from our education, competing every day, building energy from competing every day. Let's make that our entertainment, not TV. Unless, of course, you're watching the Blue Golds and the College World Series, then we'll be, we'll be tuning in. Coaching Matters, live group call. Let's see what we got coming in. We got must train everybody to be leaders. Everyone is a leader. Here's my definition of a leader. If anybody is counting on you for anything, that, that qualifies you as a leader. If anyone is counting on you for anything that qualifies you as a leader, Tom says, compete, don't compare. And Shane said, leave it better than you found it. Coach Leslie, any parting thoughts for you tonight with our coaches or athletes here? Oh, just maybe, let me have you wrap it up this way. This will be a fun way as we grow this Coaching Matters program. Why does coaching matter to you? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I think it's just about the opportunity to impact and doing it in a way that requires honestly, very little effort. It's all, it, it's just, it's heart. And, and it's, it's what I feel like I was put on this earth to do. And, um, the, some of the best compliments that I can get, um, are when alumni come back to town and they make a point of stopping to say hi 
So, um, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, that's what it's all about. It's just, awesome. I haven't, I haven't worked in over 20 years. Like to say measure success in weddings, not wins, or maybe we say both measure success in weddings and wins, right? Every wedding you go to is maybe worth, maybe worth 10 wins. So <laughs> coach Huntington, thanks for being here tonight. Really, really appreciate you taking time. I know you guys are, are in the mid thick of things here with the fall preparing to go compete for a national championship this spring. I want to just say thank you for joining us here and thank everybody for being a part of coaching matters until next time. Let's not count those days. Let's make the days count. And we'll catch you next time on Coaching Matters. Thanks for being here. Thanks for checking out this week's Coaching Matters podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a subscribe and a review. Also, be sure to engage with us on social media here in the notes for the show. And remember, dream big, raise more, and coaching matters.